We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ryan, it's been a minute since I've said this to you. It's mailbag time. We're going to get to a mailbag here, and we're going to get to a few of these, and I just want to kind of begin uh, with a little bit of, of the comments from the beginning. And uh, Salty uh, salty Virginia Peanuts was one of several people that said, uh, Happy Friday, IB Nation. Blessings to Angela, Brian and Angela. Keep on rocking, Rita. And then Anthony Solomon also uh, uh, glad that they're having a show today. I'm also glad that Brian and Angela are feeling better. So I won't dive too much into this on this particular show, but I put a very long message board post on the board last night. Just a little update on um, our dog, Rita. So Saturday during the postgame show, I was got a frantic text from my wife who'd been trying to call me saying, you need to call me now. She was at the vet with Rita. They found two masses in her body and she her body was like kind of killing itself on the inside. Her blood was not... Her body was, her immune system was attacking her blood cells and all these type of different things, which combined with the two masses they found had them thinking that she had cancer and the vet actually, I listened to the video last night, Ryan, or I listened to the audio because Angela recorded the audio. So that way we could kind of look back and she could let me hear it. And the lady suggested that we euthanize Rita that night. And so Angela's like, we're not doing that until Brian gets home. So I, I had to change my plans around and flew home Sunday and then we took Rita to our vet on Monday. That was an emergency vet. And they were very caring and nice. So it was no complaints because, I mean, they were just doing what the science told them to do. Our vet saw the same masses on her insides and her body had gone into full-fledged anemia at that point in time. So they said, the only chance you have is to get her down to Purdue, uh, the veterinary hospital Purdue. So we did that. And they said, by Friday, you know, if you don't do something now, by Friday, she may not be here. And so they thought it was cancer. We took her to the emergency vet at Purdue that night. They admitted her in the hospital. They said she's got anemia and they saw the two masses. They looked at the charts and they said, this looks like cancer. And then when you combine the anemia with it, I guess that's something that goes with it. And so we prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And Monday she went into the vet or she went in to get a CT scan at Purdue, which is a much more intensive scan. And the big mass that was in her stomach uh, was gone completely gone. And they still to this day, Ryan have not been able to identify why she went from fine on Wednesday to anemic on Saturday. And now 
she's home and doing much better and she's got her energy back. So I believe it was a miracle and a blessing. And I believe that God has worked in our lives. I've said to y'all a, a bunch of times in the show, I believe in the power of prayer. And I think we saw that this week. Uh, but also, Ryan, I really am thankful for the community that we have. We had so many people reaching out saying they were thinking of us and praying for us. Yeah. And just love so much of what this community is. And I was the one that benefited from it this time. And I can't tell you how much I, I, it meant to me to, to have so many people that just, just care about you. Like people that have never actually physically met in person that just care about each other and love each other and support each other in not just talking football, but in other stuff. And I can't tell you how much that means to me, everybody, uh, so much. And Ryan, thank you for stepping up this week and allowing me to kind of focus on my family while while you kind of ran stuff. So uh, appreciate all that, everybody. But that's the latest. She's upstairs resting right now, but she's got her energy back and her blood levels were back up to normal. She went from anemic two days ago to normal blood levels today. I, I And the vet said, I, we don't know. We have no clue what, what happened here. So I, I was like, I know, but we don't need to get into that right now. <laughs> so anyway, so that's the latest with our family. And uh, again, appreciate all of you so, so very much. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But Ryan, this is still a football show. And so we're going to get oh, yeah. in some mailbag questions about football. And the first one here from Quinn Kibler. Uh, he says, "Mailback, what did you think? What did what do, did you think of um, Wake Forest slow turtle Michigan's Clemson surprise? It worked that well, uh, Quinn. That's what they've always done. I they have done it, that man. for years. The reason it didn't the in, you and I talked about this game last week, Ryan, yep. and we didn't think Wake could score against Clemson because the way that Brent Venables had attacked that mesh for years just blew it up. But what we said was we don't know how West Goodwin is going to be. Apparently." Wes Goodwin did not watch film of the way Brent Venables attacked that because that was a terrible defensive game plan by Clemson. They allowed that mesh to happen, and and they allowed Wake Forest to do to them what they do to everybody else, where Venables just attacked it and made you declare early. Uh, they're, they're, the thing you and I talked about in the summer, Ryan, very good front seven, questionable secondary. That questionable secondary got exposed big time, big time against Wake because – Unlike the Georgia Tech game where guys were getting open, but Jeff Sims was missing him or he wasn't getting time to throw, Wake Forest mm -hmm. did a pretty decent job of giving Sam Hartman enough time, enough times for him to make some big plays in the pass game. And they started to run on Clemson in the second half. So was, I didn't understand Wes Goodwin's game plan, to be completely honest with you. And that's to me, it, it was more about that than anything else, in my opinion. 
It was a bizarre game, Brian, because like you said, I mean, Wake Forest only had like four yards rushing at halftime. And then the second half, man, it was just like Clemson was just getting worn down. And to your point, I feel – and this is without watching the coaches film. Like, so this is not a super educated opinion. But it almost felt like Clemson was like, oh, man, in the second half, like they're running the football on us. We need to kind of use extra players into the box to stop this thing. And then they're leaving their corners kind of one-on-one against – Guys like A.T. Perry and I, I forget what number 80's name is in that game that had a huge game. He had like 140-something yards and a couple touchdowns in that game. But they were just leaving these guys one-on-one. And right now, at least at this point in the season, Clemson's corners look a little bit like a, a weakness to this secondary right – or to this team right now. Like mm-hmm. it's – I can't remember these corners being this bad, Brian. I mean, like they've always had a guy, right? Like an yeah. A.J. Terrell, a Darian Kendrick, a Andrew Booth. Like they've always had a guy – where you're like, okay, that guy's a future NFLer. Like, he's a good football player, you know? Like, right now, I don't know who they have. I mean, I know they have a couple young guys that are starting to get a little bit of playing time, but, like, they just don't have a guy right now. It's it's a little troubling for Clemson. Uh, I guess I'll give them a a little golf clap on the other side of things. At least the offense stepped up in this game, and DJ had a good game. Yeah, he did. had one of his best games. So Wake's defense stinks. Wake's defense stinks. It's so bad. It's really bad. To Quinn's question, Quinn, Wake Forest has always been one of my least favorite teams to scout because I hate the elongated mesh. I hate it so much. It's so stupid. Because as a former linebacker, I'm like, to your point about Venables, why would I just blitz and attack this thing and just destroy it at the point of it? Destroy it at the point of of mesh. Like, just kill it, right? But for whatever reason, second half, they were wearing them down. So good for Wake Forest, man. Right. They they played really tough in that football game. They they, they did me wrong. They played yeah. really tough. And their reward, Ryan, after that is now uh, the old Demon Deacons have to uh, go on the road and play Florida State, who's four zero. So it's gonna be a tough. I'm one, very man. curious how they're gonna bounce back. One. But you know, it's it's interesting. Like you said, they did all that with with At Perry having four catches for 51 yards. That's it. I mean, uh, it wasn't that's a, a decent game. game. Four catches, 51 yards, and a touchdown. It's not a bad game. But for A.T. Perry, it's not a very good game. Uh, <laughs> right. But uh, J- J- Jamal Banks is the guy you're talking about. Yes. And and the other guy, too, that, that had a couple big plays is Donovan Green, who I brought up last week. Former, He was a, kind of a basketball player. But he only had two catches, but they went for 53 yards, and they were both touchdowns. Like, they were yeah. just ripping them down the field, man. I mean, they're just ripping them down the field. And there was nothing that, that – I I felt like Clemson made very few adjustments and the little adjustments I did see in the second half were like, why, why would that be your adjustment? Like you just made it easier on them to run on you and they're still hitting down. You haven't stopped the down the field shots, but you made it easier on them to run. It's a very puzzling game plan. And honestly, you, you and I discussed this. I don't think we discussed on the show, but you know, Clemson has, has improved this year, but they, their success is a little to me, um, has not been as they haven't been as dominant as their it may look like the 41 10 against Georgia Tech. That was like 14 10 game in the third quarter. Like Georgia yeah. Tech had multiple chances to make that a a very a, a tie game in the second half. They poured it on in the fourth quarter of that game. That was not a a typical 41 to 21 football game. You know what I mean, Ryan? And and same like they they beat Furman like 35 to 12. Uh, you know, their game against Louisiana Tech was very close at halftime, and they poured it on in the second half. You know, they scored 27 points in the second half against uh, against Georgia Tech, that, you know, 14 to 3 at halftime. You know, it's, and Georgia Tech just – that was more about just how bad Georgia Tech is as a team. I mean, guys just dropping balls, and, I mean, you know, they were scheming clumps. I mean, putting like, there were guys open 
against Clemson for Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. They just they weren't able to to make the plays in the ball. Uh, Louisiana Tech game was similar. It was thirteen to six at halftime. Uh, they scored twenty one in the third quarter, and, and kudos to them. But they had a thirty they had two thirty two yard touchdown drives in the second half. Right, that was their defense put them in some good positions. So anyway, you know, to me, Ryan, they are they're beatable. But this year's team has learned how to win tough games. The thing that hurt Clemson in the past, they just never, they hardly ever played competitive games in the season, again, in, in conference. And so last year, I don't think they handled that real well. This year, they're doing it. They are not playing pretty, but still winning. Because last year's team would have, would have a, last year's team for Clemson would have lost Saturday to Wake Forest. No I doubt agree. in my mind. No doubt in my mind. So uh, that is that is a positive to to see if you're looking at it from a Clemson standpoint. You have a and super that, chat uh, from. Go ahead. I was just going to say that zero that Williams kid from Clemson's a, a, a player by the yeah. way, the slot receiver number zero. He's um, uh, talking about who, who are you talking about? The freshman Anton- Antonio Williams, the the kid who, who's is. a true freshman. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. I again. They, I didn't know they, the so they so they Clemson passed the waiver where they're allowed to play freshmen. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. That's my Notre, bad. Notre Dame forgot to do bad. that before the season. That's my bad. So. They didn't get that waiver done in time. Got it. Nah, Got or it. wasn't passed. One or the other. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah, it's, that's great. You're able to use freshman receivers. Who who, who knew? Who knew? Uh, sorry for the sarcasm. It's been a long week. Gregory Gilbert with a super chat. Thank you, Gregory. If the system is that complicated, then they need to change it. Sick of seeing big-time programs playing young kids tell me something has to change at Notre Dame. And especially since Notre Dame kids are smart. I mean, we always hear that how smart Notre Dame kids are, and I believe that to be true. But it's kind of like, well, your level of smartness based on what? You know, I mean, if you're asking a really smart freshman to to handle a senior calculus class, he's going to look like a kid who's not ready for that. Whereas at Bama, at Clemson, at Georgia, at Ohio State, they don't ask their freshmen to know advanced calculus. Say, let's put you in a freshman class, and then we'll use your talent in that regard. And Notre Dame just refuses to do that. And uh, yes, Gregory, it needs to change. I mean, it, it's needed to change for a while. You could use an exception here that, okay, Jordan Johnson wasn't focused off the field. Okay, fine. Take him out. Then let's keep talking about why did Will Fuller only catch six passes as a freshman? Why did Kevin Austin only catch five? Why did Braden Lindsay hardly play at all as a freshman? You know, I mean, we could do this all flipping day. You know, I mean, why did you need two guys to get injured last year before you finally started making Lorenzo Styles a fo- more fo- focal point of your offense, right? We saw a Logan Diggs last year. Well, he's not ready. He didn't play a single snap until the Virginia Tech game. And all of a sudden looked like a guy that knew how to play against Virginia Tech. Who knew? Yep. You're going to tell me that the light just went on that Wednesday? Or would he not have played if Chris Tyree wasn't hurt? And we never would have known that he was already ready to play. And so well, I'm just I mean, and Brian, I, I know I know that Notre Dame had a really good running back, obviously, in Kyron Williams. So, like, I'm not mm-hmm. saying they should have been like a running back by approach type of committee, but sure. the three state the three trio of backs that we're so excited about this year, they were all on the team last year, right? I know that Chris Tyree was dealing with you know being banged up and all that good stuff, but I mean, what did SMA have on the season? Like seven carries? And they all came like two much. games late in the year in November. Yeah, yeah. right. Diggs so. didn't pl- here's my point, Ryan. I'm yeah. not even saying you need to take a ton of carries away from Kyron Williams. And also, mm-hmm. He didn't play a snap, Ryan, not a snap. Yeah. Audric estimate, I don't think, played a snap other than like some lead blocking things in a couple games all season until late. And that's the frustration. I'm not saying Tobias Merriweather needs to be the focal point of their offense. We're not saying that, right? But there's definitely happy meeting between doing nothing and asking him to be, you know, Michael Floyd as yeah. a freshman, right? 
Right. I'm not asking him to be that. So it's just, again, it's a coaching problem, not a player problem. Michael S., can you explain what the quarterback rating number is? So essentially, it's a formula that takes into account attempts, completions, yards, yards per attempt, touchdowns, and interceptions. And there's certain numbers that you add, some add for count, you divide them by certain things, and then it spits out the number. Uh, It's a number that is very... Uh, Ryan, it puts a lot of emphasis on efficiency. So, yes. you know, teams that maybe don't throw for a ton of yards, but throw complete a lot of passes are going to have a higher quarterback rating now. And that's why CJ Stroud's number last year was so absurd because he was not only a guy that, that um, threw for a lot of yards, but also threw for a lot of yards per attempt. Yes. And so uh, it's definitely something that values that. And it, it doesn't love turnovers. But look, the guy that led the nation in in uh, in quarterback rating last year, uh, or excuse me, finished sixth in the nation in quarterback rating last year, led the nation in yards uh, per game was Bailey Zappi, and he had 11 interceptions. Uh, Stetson Bennett finished fourth in quarterback rating last year. He threw seven interceptions. But it's like three, six, three, seven, four. Uh, so high yards per – and here's the other thing. If you look at the top 10 in yards and yards per and excuse me, quarterback rating last year, here's their yards per attempt. Starting from 10 going up 9187978987910971119. The the to me the the greatest efficiency number that you can have as a quarterback is your yards per attempt mm-hmm. more so than yards per completion. And so, and then I also like seeing a quarterback who has a a smaller gap between yards per attempt. Like you don't want a guy that's like eight and a half yards per attempt and 17 yards per completion. Cause that tells me you're just hitting a bunch of big plays, but you're inefficient. I want the guy that's like nine and 14, you know, like yeah. that's a more, that tells me a lot about your off your, the explosiveness and efficiency of your offense. Right. But that's, that's my best, best way to answer that question. So you want to make a, a run at it. The uh, Brian, I was just going to say that, uh, Quick mention of Western Kentucky, man. They are a fun offense to watch, by the way. Yeah. Quick tangent, because I I don't know if you saw it, but they had a um, they had a Division two champion quarterback, Austin Reed. He played at West Florida, transfer over to Western Kentucky, and they look exactly yeah. the same as they did last year. With uh, wasn't the kid they had last Zappi. year a Division two transfer? Zap well, Zappy was an FCS kid. So FCS. Okay. I'm talking about like Division two. Where, where was he? he? Went from Division two up to Group of five, which is a where was Zappy from? Zappy was from Houston Baptist. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. D2, to, yes, West Florida to – I don't care what West level Kentucky. of FBS you're playing is a big jump. It's, it's a big crazy. jump. And he, as we've I, seen, Ryan, the Sun Belt's pretty good conference this year. Yeah, for this year they're playing fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. so that's a it's – a, it's a fun – it is a fun offense to, to scout. Brian, New York, Georgia doubted Bennett, Stetson Bennett. Why can't uh, Drew Pine be our Stetson Bennett? Well, first of all – Stetson Bennett's like three years in the program longer than Drew Bennett, Drew Pine is right now. Number one, number two. I, I, I mean, I'm trying to think of the right way to answer this. I think right now Stetson Bennett is older, stronger, more experienced than Drew Pine. It yep. took Stetson Bennett till his fifth year to look like a competent college quarterback. Yes, I mean Stetson Bennett before last year was not very good. I mean, he just, he just wasn't. And he has really good players around him. I mean, that that helps, too. And I'll tell you what what Todd Monk is doing. A great, he's doing a great job of scheming that offense up this year. Sure is. Great sure job is. of scheming up. They didn't look great against Texas, against Kent State. I'll say that. But 
he for the for up until last week's game they were scout they were scheming up the heck out of some people. Uh, yeah. Now they haven't really been tested by a good defense yet. I don't think Oregon has a good defense, uh, but so the tests are going to ramp up a little bit here moving forward. But yeah, he's just he's smart. He knows where to go with football. He's he's gutsy. He plays with a lot of he, Stetson Bennett is in his head way better than he actually is physically. Yes, and that's very important. I'm I'm not saying that as an insult or to make fun of him. I'm saying that as a compliment because you can't have the success that he's had if you have a realistic expectation. If you have a realistic uh, evaluation of yourself. If Stetson Bennett knew his talent level the way that you and I know his talent level. He does not yeah. play with the guts and the confidence and the the take the chances that he takes against Bama and you know uh, Cincinnati and t- teams that he plays. He just doesn't, Ryan. It, yeah. He thinks he's way better than he is, and and Drew Pine has some of that in him too. We just we saw it last year. We did not see it in the spring. We did not see it against Marshall, and we did not see it much against Cal. We finally saw it against Carolina. Now let's see Drew do that against a defense that's doesn't not terrible, right? But there there are some similarities there, Ryan. I, I would say that. I would say Stetson has a little bit better deep ball arm right now than Drew Pine, but that's also because he's like four years older than Drew Pine, like in in age. I mean, I'm serious. He's like 25 he's like years 25. old. Yeah, I think Drew's is. like 20 right now, like yeah. 20 almost 21. So yeah, Drew Pine will throw a better deep ball in four years when he'll be on sets of Bennett's age. So yeah, it helps. Oh uh, man. You know, you know how I'm really funny on Twitter. Uh, sure. Yeah, let's go. With that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I made it, I made a uh, tweet about sets of Bennett a couple weeks ago, you know, like when you're in college and you have to do a group project with a bunch of random uh-huh. people that you've never talked to in the class. Mm-hmm. And then the one person does all the work and then everyone gets the same grade. Stetson Bennett's one of the people that didn't do that much of, of the, uh, of the sure. project, but got a really good grade because Hey, what's the biggest difference? Georgia has a lot of talent around him, yeah. man. Like it, he doesn't really get touched in that pocket, man. They've done they've done a yeah. good job developing offensive line. They have really good running backs. They have great tight end room. They've done a great job assembling a good team yeah. around him. Where Stetson knows who he is, and, and he does point, Brian. Like he he yeah. is comfortable in his own skin, and he doesn't make a ton of mistakes because he knows what is expected of him. So that's why and he is what he is right now. It helps you not be afraid to make mistakes when you know you have an elite defense on the other side of the ball. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Now, some of the hype about him through the first three games was just annoying because it's like, guys, he's throwing to wide open receivers. He's playing bad defenses. Like he ripped up Samford in South mm-hmm. Carolina who are not good. So yep. can we like pump the brakes a little bit on like the Heisman talk and some of this other kind of stuff? Like, let's just chill out a little bit on some of this stuff, guys. Okay. Let's just, let's go and do that. Anthony Solomon, a super chat. Thank you very much for this buddy. A little something for Ms. Rita. I appreciate you very, 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 very much. Another super chat from Tyler Evans. I want to wish Jason Evans a happy 50th birthday. He is my hero role model and best friend. And my dad, I love you and go Irish. So Jason Evans, my man, I hope you're also a Notre Dame fan like your son. That would be that would mean that you did some really good parenting by developing your son into a Notre Dame fan. But Jason Evans, buddy, thank you very, very much. Happy 50th birthday to you. And we want to thank your son, Tyler, for being a part of our Irish Breakdown community. It definitely means a lot to us. So thank you for that, Tyler. Tyler Smith, this is Tyler Day. Tyler Smith says, when is Diamond Heinish going to get some reps? Uh, the next, hopefully, a couple blowouts. I think the plan has always been for Donovan to be a redshirt guy. Uh, which mm-hmm. I think they would have liked to have done with Kurt if they were able to. 
The only reason Kurt played in 2017 is because Kurt's just got that mindset of he's just not going to take a red shirt, but their depth at defensive tackle was terrible. And and fortunately for him, COVID hit, which allowed him to get his fifth year. Because I think Kurt is more ready now to make an NFL roster, which he did, than he would have been coming out in 2020, 2021 or 2020 after 2020. I think the extra year in the weight room for a guy like Kurt Heinrich helps a lot. And I think it'll help Donovan as well. I think we'll see him, Ryan. Uh, I mean, the sad thing is, is the one game that should have been a blowout for Notre Dame wasn't. And so you couldn't get some of those young guys snaps. Uh, and then now, you know, hopefully against UNLV and some of these games moving forward, you'll, you know, Navy, you'll have a couple of these games where you can really blow a team out and get guys like that some snaps. But it'll be late game, you know, get some young guys some reps, and I don't think you'll see him play more than four snaps, nor should he. They need to put some distance between Donovan and the and the older kids, number one. And number two, Donovan needs time. He's an undersized, quick, athletic, undersized guy that needs a year in the weight room. You do not want to burn a year of eligibility for Donovan Hyannis. If he's going to have a chance to help Notre Dame, it's going to be more so in years three to five than years one and two, right? And so that's that's where it is for Donovan. So I, I don't see, think we'll see a ton of him this year other than mop-up minutes, Ryan. Do you agree or disagree with that? No, I agree completely. I, th- I think that you want to get him a little bit of game action, but I'll also reserve that right, reserve yep. that richard. And we talked about it, Brian, right? The interior defensive line has been playing good ball, man. So I don't yes. think there's like a – like there's not a massive need to start right. getting him reps, right? Like you could be right. patient with him. Right. And that's good for him. That, that patience yes. is very good for him to your point. Agree completely. Jacob Steely says, Brian B Ryan. I noticed Marcus Freeman said the guys needed practice during the bye week and no time off, but is that something that Brian Kelly used to do or did he give guys off? By the way, I prefer the Marcus Freeman approach. Just asking. I'm a big fan of giving of, of staying and practicing during a bye week, except when it's maybe a midterm week or it's spring break or winter break. Let guys go home for a few days if it's middle to later in the year. Ryan, when it is a bye week in September, that is not the time, especially when you're you're 0 and 2. That is not the time for me to to uh, be focusing on 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 uh, giving guys days off. Now, pull back from the bang-bang, pull back maybe from the number of reps, maybe do a couple you know, uppers practices where maybe you're not putting the same pounding on them. But this is a team in all phases that needs to work. I think yes. they definitely need to work. I mean, and, you're, and Brian, like you have good things. You have things trending in the right direction, right? So, like, I don't want to kill momentum. Mm-hmm. Like, I want these guys right. to keep staying in that groove. And let's, let's really right. start to accentuate the, the things that we're doing well and keep it moving, man. Absolutely. Plus, Drew Pine being thrust in the lineup. He's only played two games starter. He needs the work. He needs the timing, all that. Maybe pull back the reins a little bit on the volume, Ryan. But, yes, they need to work this week. And I agree with you. Later in the year, maybe different. A more veteran team, maybe. But this team needs it. Yes. Uh, Tyler Evans with another super chat. Thank you, Tyler. With USC and UCLA coming to the Big Ten, how would you reshape the divisions? I would go. So, well, well at that point in time, we'll have what sixteen teams, Ryan. Yeah, sounds right. Yep. I would probably sixteen teams. I'd probably go four. I'd probably go pods four, and go four, four and four. Yeah, and yeah. then just have like, you know, uh, Europe. So, like, I'd have like UCLA, USC. Let I me mean, take the wet, most West teams you can get. Maybe throw Nebraska yeah. in there or something, uh, and go that way. And then have like Michigan, Michigan's Ohio State, Michigan State, and. You know, I don't know, pick a pick a long time, you know, just try to mix it up that way. Yeah. Uh, but honestly, 
right now, Tyler, the reason that I'm not going to, I think it, it's different is I think they're going to still, I think they're still trying to build. I think they want at least two to four more teams in the big 10. So I, I think you're going to wait to see them kind of fill out. I think they want to get to 20. And if they get to 20, the pods are even make even more sense right now. Yeah. Uh, in my, I think 16, there might even be enough for, you know, Honestly, at 16, it's almost at a it's at a bad place for divisions, but it's also too small for pods. I'd almost go divisionless at that point in time. And just have like kind of like the ACC season, you have your three teams that you play every year and you have a couple, you know, this and then just like mix it up a little bit. I think that at 16 it, it's too big for divisions at 16 because you're you're going to play like what one or two games against the other division. It's like it's it's silly. I just yep. go divisionless at that point. In time. I'm not really a big fan of divisionless football when it's bigger, but sometimes you get too big for divisions, and I think 16 is that is that cutoff for me. It's it's going to get messy, man. It is going to get messy. I'm I'm very much looking forward to seeing how this whole thing rounds out. Because mm-hmm. I mean, to your point, Brian, I think they I think 20 is the number. I agree. I think that that's where they want to get to. It's just man, there's a lot to figure out when that happens. You know, yes. like it's just. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, it's giving me a headache Absolutely. just thinking about it, man. I feel like I'm watching the Bengals game again last night with those terrible white uniforms that were just giving me a headache. Yes. By oh, they them. were it was brutal. Crazy. And then there's people, people like giving you a hard time. Like, people I'm like, what are you... so hard? I'm just yeah. like, guys, what are you like looking at? It's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, we are not Marshall. Great comment. I'm ready for the day that we have a podcast. We don't have to complain about the lack of use of device. Hey, you and me both. Right? You and me both. I don't enjoy it. Uh, yeah. Uh, Michael Bar- Borth said, Brian, please calm down the masses. BYU is exposed by Utah State last night. BYU is a poor man's Carolina. We will throat punch them. Notre Dame may very well throat punch BYU, but with all due respect, BYU is a better football team than North Carolina. Uh, yep. You know, look, BYU did not play well last night and still won by double digits over Utah mm-hmm. State. Now, Utah State's not a great team. Utah State is now one and four, but Utah State lost to Alabama. Right. They lost a, you know, UNLV was a bad loss. I mean, they're not a terrible football team. Uh, and BYU played bad and, and still won. I mean, again, Notre Dame lost to Marshall, y'all. Like they lost to Marshall, who lost to Bowling Green. And who, who was the team that beat Marshall the other day, right? Or like this past weekend? Troy. Troy. Right? Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, that's just bad. That's just that's really actually bad. a bad. Be- that's actually a better loss than losing to Bowling Green, though. But yeah. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Bowling Green's terrible, man. Yeah, they're not good, y'all. I mean, their two wins are over Norfolk State and Notre Dame, right? I mean, you know, so uh, Notre Dame still has a lot to prove, but, but you know, BYU's not a good run defense. They're not. They've given up 200 yards at least like three, I think three times already this year. They're not, a, but they are a team that does other things really well. They're a very dangerous offense. They're not a good defense. Notre Dame should move the ball and score on them. Simple as fact. And that's why I picked them to lose to Oregon because, oh, they beat Baylor. Baylor's offense is not good. At least it wasn't up to that. It wasn't up until the Iowa State game. I thought they looked much better against Iowa State. Maybe they're kind of a little bit of a breakout against Iowa State. Maybe we'll see. But they're not good. They made Baylor made BYU's defense look better than it was. South Florida actually moved the ball on them a little bit, and so I, I, I thought they'd lose to Oregon. They did. I didn't think it'd be that big of a blowout. And then Utah State moved it on them. But you know they're not good there. But they're very good in some other areas, and they are going to be a tough out. And the reason I want to push back on this, Ryan, is because if you don't appreciate how good BYU is, if Notre Dame wins, and if Notre Dame wins convincingly, it diminishes how impressive of a victory that would be. This is a team that went six and one last year against Power Five teams. Six and one. Yep. 
and they've already got a, a power five win over a team that won the sugar bowl last year. So, um, you know, that's a good team. And then we're going to end here, Ryan from Ian Johnson, B Ryan agree or disagree. The PAC 12 and big 12 are the most entertaining to watch. There's no truly dominant team in the conference and the talent is pretty well spread out. What say you, Ryan, I would agree with half of that. I don't like watching the Pac-12. I don't. I mean, okay. USC makes it better. Page. Yes, right. Like they make it better. It's a little more entertaining. But I mean, Chip Kelly can get my attention at times. You know, offensively, at least from a run game perspective. Like I think he's pretty creative in in what he does as as a like from a formational perspective and just from a scheme perspective. But I mean, Oregon I think is pretty boring. Washington State's trying to do the air raid thing. I don't think they do it very well. Washington's like kind of entertaining, I guess, with Caleb DeBoer. So. I guess they're getting more entertaining as I'm kind of working through some of the teams, but like, I guess I would take big 12 as a little more entertaining. Yeah. I actually like the the guy that was at Western Kentucky last year with Bailey Zappi is now actually the offensive coordinator at, te- at uh, Texas tech now. So mm-hmm. I think that they're going to be a lot more entertaining to watch Texas. As long as they're healthy, Sarkeesian, I think has a lot of good things happening there. And TCU with Sonny Dykes now in, I think has been, I mean, Max Duggan looks like a completely different quarterback than he has over the last couple of years. Mm So I'd probably say big 12 is a little more exciting for me to watch, but I just, I don't know, Brian, I just don't really get much kicks out of the Pac-12 anymore. It's it's not quite as good as it used to be in my opinion. Yeah, it it is not. It's yes. I would say it's a very competitive league, but it's more so competitive because nobody's good. (laughs) <laughs> I think the Big 12's problem is there's not a great team in the Big 12, but there's a lot of quality football teams in the Big 12, which is why we see the Big 12 pull off some upset wins every year. You know, uh, I like the Big 12. I think I like it even more the last couple of years because the defense has gotten better. It's still not great, but it's yeah. gotten better. And I think it's a good league. Oklahoma State's a quality football team. Uh, Baylor. You, TCU, Baylor. Uh, you know, obviously Oklahoma and Texas are still in it. Texas Tech's had some really competitive games against non you know, uh, Big Twelve teams recently, they're playing better. They're they're the teams that made the biggest jump on defense in recent years. They're not they're still not great, but it used to be terrible. Kansas mm-hmm. is better under Lance Leopold. I mean, I've got about Kansas, man. Talk about yeah, a fun Kansas story. State yeah. under Chris Kleeman. I mean, there's not a bad team in the Big Twelve this year. There's just no great team in the Big Twelve this year. Mm-hmm. I would rather watch that than an SEC with three great teams and a bunch of. Eh. And I would watch. I'd rather watch Kansas, Kansas State. Or, I mean, pick the two worst teams in the Big 12, whoever you think they are. I'd rather watch that than almost any matchup in the Pac-12. So, I agree. The Big 12 is – and I've said this for years. The reason the Big 12 gets no – has never gotten the respects they should, Ryan, is because there's no great team. I I like the conference that's got depth. That's mm-hmm. more entertaining to me than a conference that has a, a team playing for the title, but nothing. Like the ACC with Clemson, right? The Big 12 has been better than the ACC for years. There's just no Clemson in the Big 12. But 2 through 10 and now 2 through 12 are going to be better. And then when you add the two – oh, I'm sorry. There is a bad team in the Big 12, West Virginia. They're not good. Yeah. But that's the one But they're team. not as bad as the worst team in the Pac-12, Colorado. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> they would smash Colorado. Any team uh, would smash. Any, yes, any Power 5 yes. team. I think they might be the worst Power 5 team out there they're really bad they're really 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 bad bad. and i think the big 12 is going to get even better i mean yes they're going to lose texas and oklahoma i'm talking about from a depth standpoint cincinnati byu houston and then i'm drawing central florida that's Mm going to make that league really good where the pac-12 has a much bigger names i could care less i could not care less about the pac-12 i am liking that washington's coming back though i think kalen DeBoer is if kalen DeBoer stays at washington 
And if, if, if Oregon can keep doing what they're doing and kind of building, and then USC can get back to being good and what chips on UCLA and the, the, the PAC 12 is ascending to me. I like what Justin Wilcox is doing at Cal the pack. And, and I like what Jed fish is doing Arizona. So my story, my stance could change in a couple of years. I do like some of the coaching moves coming out of the PAC 12. Of course, now UCLA and USC are about to leave. But I do – if the Pac-12 stays together, I think it's ascending because of some of the head coaching hires they made in recent years. But that's also why if I'm the Big 12, I'm trying to get Arizona, trying to get Arizona State. I'm trying – you know what I mean? I'm trying to get some of those teams to kind of come join your league. I would I would try to go get Colorado because at least you get that Denver that Denver market, even though Colorado, even though Denver, Colorado stinks. But I would make a run. I would try to raid the Pac-12 before the Big 10 does if I'm the Pac-12. If, I would try to raid the Pac-12 if I'm the Big 12 before the Big 10 does. Uh, is yes. what I would do. So anyway, and Co- and Ryan, Colorado should not be a Pac-12 team. They just should not. Be. No, they should have always been just like Nebraska should. I mean, if I would do a trade, hey, we won't bid against, we won't, we won't bid against, we won't get into a bidding war for you for Oregon and Washington if you give us Nebraska back. If you give us Nebraska, and then you bring Nebraska, get Colorado, get Utah, get Arizona, Arizona State, and all of a sudden now you know you've got a chance to kind of go do some things. That's what I would do. Anyway. Ryan, it was great doing a show with you again, man. It's been a pleasure. I want to thank you for helping out this week. I want to thank everybody who stepped up this week. We did have a couple super chat. Oh, no, we, we did get to those super chats. I don't think we had any pop up here at the end, Ryan, that I missed. I just want to make sure that I didn't miss anybody's super chats. Uh, I want to thank everybody for your prayers this week. I want to thank everybody for your support. Uh, I just want to thank everybody for uh, – here we go. This is This is a good one here. Uh, from Tyler Evans, Brian and Ryan, I'm taking my father to UNLV game. He has not made it there since 1988 against Miami. Well, hey, maybe that's a good sign, right? You know, that kind of was the game that sprung board, you know, was the springboard for Notre Dame becoming a dominant program. You know, and so your dad, your dad could be the, uh, you know, Tyler, your dad could be the good luck charm for Notre Dame. So, uh, Ryan, I think that is it for Super Chats from everybody. Thank you all so, so much. Tomorrow, 10 a.m., me and Sean Davis, IB Countdown to kickoff. Be there Join us. Join the message board at Irish boards at irishbreakdown.com. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. Hug your wife and kids. Hug your family. Don't take for granted uh, that you will get tomorrow because we don't always have it. So I uh, want to thank all of you all so much. We will talk to you again very soon on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. <laughs>
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.